Struggling to stay up to date with social media? Do you want to get ahead online? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, the podcast for public sector professionals who want to elevate their digital communications. Here's your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. Are public sector leaders failing public sector marketing pros? That is some accusation. I could get cancelled. Okay, let me start by saying that I have huge respect for senior leaders working in the sector, and I've worked with many over the years. Many choose it as a vocation, and in fact, many are lifers in the civil service. But as the waves of digital have risen the tides of communication change, I see tensions emerge. This week, I hosted a social media masterclass, and as always, I asked students what their number one social media challenge was. Almost exclusively, they admitted that keeping up to date with the ever-evolving landscape of social media was really difficult. So if that is marketers' Achilles heel, then obviously it's a huge challenge for senior leaders whose priorities are vast and very different. But it leads me to ask the question, are public sector leaders failing public sector marketing pros by not empowering them to scale digital communications, which promotes openness, transparency, and accountability? Let's dive into this question in today's show. As I said, this is a very big question to ask. Are public sector leaders failing public sector marketing pros? I want to answer it with another question, and that is, do you trust your head of communications? If we put people in senior roles to lead out on strategic communications, then we must trust them. Within a communications team, there is huge importance around digital comms and social media. And very often, social media and digital comms is seen as an extra role, and very often it's not a singular seat in a team or in an office. And when social media staff are communicating on behalf of the agency, I think often it's overlooked that this individual or these individuals actually have the eyes, the ears, and the attention of the public. They are the staff members that are sitting day in and day out and engaging with the public and actively listening to what the public have to say. And if this sort of information is not coming back internally to the head of the department, to the head of the organization, then we hit a problem and there's potentially a communications iceberg on the horizon. I really do believe that communications professionals right now need to have a skill set that is diverse and that they're not leaning into their comfort zone of traditional communications because I see it. Other times, heads of comms will come to me and say, listen, we need to evolve our communications. We're too reliant on traditional approaches and we see the need to diversify our content, but also the platforms on which we communicate. That is leadership. Also, having digital comms and digital first comms as 
principles within your comms strategy is really important. And then it's about putting the right people in the right seats. And right now, I believe social media and digital comms is ubiquitous. These are skill, skills that are not nice to have. These are skills that people working in comms should have. So for senior leaders, get comms people that you can trust, but those that are innovative and that are forward thinking. And then my friends, the answer to this question is no. Public Sector Pros, do you want to progress in your career? Are you going for promotion? Do you want to stay ahead of the digital media landscape? We can help you. View our training calendar at publicsectormarketingpros.com. In today's consulting segment, I'm going to give you my perspective of when and why sometimes senior leaders in government and public sector fail their public sector marketing pros. Uh, the first point that I would make is that sometimes they just don't understand digital communications well enough to manage big decisions around it. And perhaps for fear of making the wrong decision, they actually will make none. And that just leaves a communications team really in a stranglehold and they can't move forward. And it leads to, to real frustration. And I've seen it myself. This is another point, and I mean, I'm so bold. Sometimes I say it at meetings, and I ask senior leaders to leave their personal biases outside the door of the boardroom. Um, I do often get some funny looks and some shuffling in chairs, but I think it's really important because if you are taking a personal bias, uh, which does not have any evidence uh, or a foundational argument, into your decision-making around strategic comms, then in my view, that's poor leadership. And that leads me on to the third point. Um, and my students will know this because I harp on about it. Do not bring an opinion to a data party. When somebody has an opinion about digital communications, I ask them for the evidence. I ask them for the data or I say, let's have a look at your data. Let's see if that translates to the argument that you're making. So this is the wonderful thing about living in the digital age. We have data, we have analytics, and they provide us with insights to improve our decision making. But if somebody is coming to you with an opinion that is not founded on evidence or on data, then I would continue to argue my point. Um, another kind of Achilles heel is placing no or a very low value on social media within the entire communications toolbox. Um, this could be from a place of wanting to see agencies, you know, named in national print, national radio, uh, high trafficked websites and not really caring about social media because maybe they don't have a presence on social media. But this goes against the grain of the evidence because we know that the Digital News Report of 2023, which is a global study of 80 countries, actually shows that on, on average over 50% of populations across the world are now accessing news and public information in a digital first channel. Uh, another uh, hampering approach to digital comms um, and 
having public sector marketing pros operate essentially with one hand behind their back is trying to control communications and control it in a way that they see will work. Whereas in the digital age, we as great communications experts, we should test and learn. We should A-B test headlines, we should A-B test campaign concepts, we should A-B test audiences that we're trying to reach. Um, and we also should measure traditional comms against digital comms and better understand where messages are landing. So controlling communications from a singular position is not good. Whereas if I was a senior leader in a government agency, I would be asking my communications team to come back to me with the data. Come back to me with the data, a number of position points, let's have a discussion and then let's make a decision. Fear comes into it a lot. So coming from a place of fear around digital comms and social media is usually around the fear of public critique, um, pylons, we live in cancel culture right now. I completely understand that. But we have to go back to that founding principle that we communicate in the public interest and that's why we exist. And then finally, stuck in a traditional communications mindset and only seeing advertising or mainstream media as the priority channels and methods of communication. So my top tip to end today's consulting segment is go and download a copy of the 2023 digital news report and inform yourself of the evidence of the data and of current consumer behavior when it comes to news, media, and public information. Today's guest on the big interview is a guy that I met in Washington at Content Marketing World. John Gonzalez is communications and social media officer at Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District. Yes, you heard that right. And he talks to me about nine social media lessons from the sewer. John, last time I saw you, we were both in Washington, D.C. at Content Marketing World. And I have to say, your presentations was the standout for me. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the Public Sector Marketing Show. Thanks for the invitation, Joanne. I appreciate it. So tell us, um, how did you get to be doing comms? Um, in Ohio, uh, in Ohio, and talking about social media from the sewer. It's a good question. Uh, my background is not in utility communication. It was barely in communication, besides some creative writing I had done. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, the ability to create and tell stories and to yeah. capture attention in creative ways. And what I found is an opportunity at the sewer district actually allowed me to use a lot of those same talents and interests in a way that appealed to an audience I never would have expected. Uh, the public sector is, is really a, uh, a place where there is a lot of innovation and creativity. And to be able to tap into both of those elements of uh, my skill set has been a great uh, blessing, I would say. And it certainly has benefited the organization being able to connect with customers in a new way. And you know what's interesting? You know, you... You stepped onto that stage and because I've got my phone because I, I take copious amounts of notes and you said we aren't selling a product, but we do our service that they, our customers rely on. They don't see us until they need us. So 
there's huge regard there for the citizen, for the service user. Um, and you put huge intention behind your comments from that point of view, right? We sure do. Our organization as a whole uh, puts customers first. We, we embrace the reality that we provide a service that everyone who relies on us needs, but they don't see it. And so our priority is to make sure they understand the value of what it takes to make this service a reality. Uh, we, we, whether it's on social media or in person, we're going to prioritize that customer experience. And the way that they, that takes shape in social is just one way in which we are helping to open people's eyes to the realities that are, are around them every single day. It gives us a great chance to be creative in how we tell those stories because it is around you, whether you know it or not. It's it's our job to find them, to find those connections in the way that the customers can relate to. And, you know, when it comes to utilities, right, um, they're essential services and very often we take them for granted until they don't work and, you know, the, the public reach out demand to know when normal service will resume. But what is it about your agency in Ohio that actually puts the conversation to the forefront of your communications all year round and not just being reactive in, in the crisis? Where did that mindset come from? It, it came from the respect that we have for customers realizing that they have other priorities. And when uh, an emergency arises, we can have an inform we can have information out there in response to an emergency, but if there's no trust, if there's no realization of who we are as an agency, and if there's no recognition of the value and the service that we're providing, then the announcement will only go so far. Uh, by being able to and and having the support to build relationships with our customers uh, all year long, when there is a problem, they know they can come to us for an answer. They know they can come to us for more information. They know we're going to respond to them in real time as best we can, and we're going to be honest with them. Uh, we're, we, as, as a utility, there are, there are often times when we don't get the service that we're uh, expecting. We want to serve you with a high regard, but we also want to make sure you have the information you need, even if it's something you don't agree with. Uh, it might be a project in your neighborhood that you don't uh, fully want to be disrupting your daily life. We understand that, but we're going to put the facts out there and allow us to have a conversation about it. And the trust is really where that begins. Otherwise, we're just simply talking in the ether like so much of our social media is uh, around us every single day. So your organization is now 50 years old and you told us a lovely story and you depicted that so well at content marketing world but you, you cannot have the creative flair and the freedom and the intention to be so proactive on social like you are without having the backbone of your senior leadership behind you and that is one of the biggest hurdles that my clients and students will communicate to me i mean is there a secret sauce, John, to how you achieve that that you want to share? I don't think it's secret, but I certainly will start by saying it takes time and it does take a willingness to uh, a willingness to try some things. Uh, we had we had advocates on our senior leadership uh, more than 10 years ago as they said, you know what, we, we need to get to where our customers are. How do we best present ourselves in a way that allows us to have a conversation? That's not always going to, going to be the case uh, if you're being featured in a newsletter article or a newspaper article or in a media interview. You want to be able to have some control of the space. So we wanted to use an account um, in a way that uh, that would make us real in a conversation. Uh, social media was one way in which they said we could do this and we could show some wins early on. And we began to, to experiment with some of our channels. Uh, Twitter at the time was the place where we could have that real-time uh, 
mechanism to respond and to post content that we felt was important, but also see what other people were talking about. And so being able to explore there and being given the trust from our leadership in a way that said, just go do your job and do it well, uh, keep us safe, keep the customers informed. They simply gave us the trust because we had built a good relationship over time that demonstrated we're not going to put the organization at risk and we're going to make sure we're serving our mission, helping the customers get what they needed. So uh, the trust took time, but we were able to demonstrate wins um, uh, along the way. And it demonstrated that if we can do this thing right and just simply stay on top of it, uh, we could we could make some changes that were not really anticipated early on. And the way that we've used creativity, especially in recent years, uh, has opened doors that weren't there, were not open previously. Obviously, you demonstrated when you got wins and when the public responded uh, so positively, and there's, we'll talk about those. But what happens when there's a bit of an onslaught and people aren't happy and that's inevitable, that's going to happen. You know, did, did, the, did the response from senior leadership change? Did their approach change or how did you deal with it? We largely have not, we've been very fortunate to not have uh, a, a large list of negative consequences from our engagement in social media. The fact that we've been able to to meet people where they are in a way that's conversational, it's honest, it's admitting challenges that we've had where we've fallen short, uh, that reputation that we've built has garnered us a lot of trust and a lot of goodwill from our customers where we've built a lot of advocates around us. So even when there's a challenge with a project or uh, uh, if we've fallen short somewhere, we knew we could have done better. We've had advocates within our, our following to be able to have a conversation and for them to add context uh, and personal experience that might demonstrate a uh, value of our organization beyond what I might put forth on our official account. So the relationships that we've built there have been very positive. And the fact that our, our leadership has heard stories of how our how our, our how our accounts have positively impacted the customers that we're serving. Uh, there's just simply a lot of goodwill that that comes with the organization's social presence that we've built. Uh, we're not we're not blind to the realities of of the risks that social media faces and how we can be overwhelmed at times being able to respond. But being a, having a supportive team, being able to be in that space and simply dedicate the time it, it, that's required to be on top of the conversation and be a, a part of the discussion is something that we don't take for granted. So we, we have the resources, we have the support. Uh, we are largely a, a one to two person team on our social channels, but we're granted the time we need to be in that moment and to, to have the support we need around us from our team members who might not be specific social media employees, but they are team members who who recognize the space that we work in. So they're quick with their response, they're able to get back to us in real time. And it simply gives us a real human voice that shows people that we're interacting with. Uh, we're not a bot, we simply, we simply do care about you and wanna make sure we're serving you the best that we can. So your presentation in a content marketing world probably the best that I've ever come across, nine social media lessons that you learned from the sewer. And it was the first time that I could ever publicly send out a tweet or an ex post saying that, you know, John uh, Gonzalez is full of shit here at Con Marketing and everyone's loving it. I mean, and Tiger organization. It was it was just remarkable. But, you know, give us some of the, those lessons. I mean, you says everyone has a past. Every flush has a future. So creative. The reality is that that we. When I first stepped into the organization, I came in here not knowing a lot about the work that goes on around us. I had no utility background. I really, uh, I was fresh out of college and didn't have a lot of responsibility uh, with homeownership or you know owning property to understand what utilities were really about. So once I got into this organization and realized what it takes to deliver critical services to our, our region, uh, it, it 
opened my eyes to some opportunities to tell stories. And that's really what we found around us were opportunities to tell stories to capture the essence of what service is about, what our customers need, and more importantly, where those two meet, what we provide and what our customers need and what the, where the intersection is. So everything that literally uh, I have learned about managing social media has come in the context of this organization over my, my 20 plus years here. And there's just the social media has a lot of crap that comes at you every single day. You have to know how to manage it. You have to know where it came from. You have to know how to, to, to manage it. You have to understand ultimately where that's going. Where is your content going to meet the customer? Where are they more likely to interact with you? And the realities of communication in today's social media world, there's a lot of connections with sewers. Uh, you don't, you don't, you can take them for granted. Uh, you really only want to talk about them when there's a problem. Um, you want to recognize that, that the content that you're managing came from somewhere. It came from someone. How do you best package that in a way that you can then put it back where it needs to go. We treat wastewater and put it back into the environment. We treat the content that I receive from all sorts of colleagues and package it in a way that can put it back into the, the, the social environment in a way that people can actually use it and engage it and, and, and enjoy it. And it's really, there, there's so much about um, the two aspects of social media and our, our sewer utility where things come together. It just made sense to try to make those connections for people in a way that that provides them some context for how we go about managing our social channels. Yeah, you humanize that content because very often if utilities are on corporate channels like LinkedIn or X, you know, that, that corporate voice comes out and it's almost like you're taking a paragraph from a preface um, and it just doesn't land. But you know, can you write posts that are conversational, human, and not have a creative writing background? Like, is it formulaic? Can you, can you teach people this? I think you can. People have asked me that before. And I, th I always like to say, start with, people have told me before that what they like about our content is we start with the heart. We do lead with the heart because we recognize that our human connections are more important than the sewer connections. I mean, we are a utility, so those matter. But they matter more when you recognize that there's someone on the other end of the phone that you're interacting with who is giving you their time. I mean, they're giving you their, their moment of the day when they stop on your content, they obviously felt something of value in what you had to share with them. So why not demonstrate to, to them that you value their time and actually engage in something that is uh, relevant to them and not just simply uh, spouting from a mouthpiece of the organization. Uh, there is some interaction there. And I think it's important to realize that you cannot, you might not necessarily be able to teach the creative writing, but you can teach some humanity. You can recognize that whoever you are engaging with uh, has something to offer you. And at this point, all they're simply offering you is their time. And if you can get their time and, and demonstrate that you respect them as individuals, uh, the next step beyond that could be a conversation. It might be opening some eyes. It might be a lesson. It might be a change of behaviors. But just start by recognizing, you know, ask questions, find out what people care about. Uh, understand where the, the intersection is between what service you provide and, and what the needs are in the community around you. The more you understand about your customers is, is where you can begin a conversation because then it demonstrates that you have a connection that goes beyond the business side of the, the service you provide. And, you know, the, the people that are watching and listening to this episode are, you know, very much whole jobs like you, maybe not in utilities, but they're working in a government or a public sector agency. And public service is what they deliver, right? But point number six that I took down from your your presentation, and you mentioned one of them, humor, humility, and humanity matter and customer service. And that is truly leading with the heart to quote you again. And 
why why doesn't that come natural you know it's it's maybe it's different cultures and agencies or maybe it's leadership you know top down fear-based approach but often you can't really fail if you approach it from humility and humanity right I would say yes, and this organization certainly embraces the reality that that we want to help customers who are in need. Uh, in many cases, our our customer service staff is top notch. They take calls from all sorts of customers who are facing all sorts of challenges, many of which are trying to pay bills that that are are a struggle. Uh, all of us have utility bills that might be more challenging, but there are unique challenges that our customer service team needs to be able to uh, engage customers on because their service relies on them paying their bill. So how can we best facilitate um, a solution that benefits both of us. You know, we, we receive the rates that we need and you get the service you deserve. And so how do we go about that process? And the way that we have those conversations is we try to understand, okay, what is the challenge? Where do I have the, the ability to help you? Because every individual may have a limited ceiling to, to be able to say, I can only do so much. But if you have the support of your manager, that certainly will give you a little bit more of, a, of an edge. And if you have uh, some creative freedom within your department, it also opens doors that might not have been open otherwise. So being willing, to, and the more you understand about your your obstacles, it helps you think uh, in more of a solution mindset. How can you work around them? How can you work within your confines? But ultimately, if you're trying to say, how can I best serve the customer? Sometimes the co best customer service is just simply meeting them where they are, listening to what the challenge is and not shutting them down right away. Um, I think it's important to, if, you, if you're able to start with that humil uh, humanity, uh, recognize the humility to say, here's everything that I have control over. There's some things I can't control. Uh, and there's things here that I recognize are a challenge. We understand that the process to get help is not always as clear as it, as it needs to be. So that humility also uh, puts a foot in the door to say, that, let's, let's have this conversation at, at a, a different level. And ultimately, if you can have a sense of humor along some of these topics, it helps. It's not always appropriate. I mean, you have to know where to draw the line between being funny and being uh, and being helpful. But many times, the, a sense of humor does humanize your service to a degree. So, being just having that that awareness um, starts by being aware of who you're talking to and and having a conversation rather than just simply putting forth a pitch or um, you know just leaving a, a statement where it is. It's about having that conversation. And recognizing many times we're just getting a call because somebody needs help. Can we help them? Uh, that answer may depend on what the, what the request is, but we're open to having that conversation to make sure that we are able to provide the best service possible. And let me share some evidence of how much people appreciate those conversational tweets or ex posts, as we say. So this is again a photo I've taken from your presentation a month ago uh, from Justin Striegel, and he says, also, I feel good about paying the sewer bill now because of your tweets. I mean, how epic is that? I mean, I don't know if there's a how-to guide on that type of thing, but the reality, and that, that doesn't come overnight. All these things are, are the result of, of behaviors and, and uh, methods of us managing our accounts that have been established over time. But when people will message me, whether it be on, on uh, threads or X or uh, Instagram, we get messages saying, I pay my bill differently now because of something I saw on one of your social channels. I mean, I, I now I have a different sense of appreciation. I, I will say hi to somebody on the street. If I see them working on a sewer, I'll say hi to them and say thank you to them. Just as your acknowledgement of the the importance of the utilities that are are uh, that we rely upon so often without thinking about them. The humanization of the service is something that was a uh, 
a really significant byproduct of us just simply trying to meet customers where they were. Uh, the way we used our social channels to humanize uh, a very inhuman system in many in many ways. Uh, I I really it moves me, and it also emphasizes uh, how much our employees are proud of the work that they do and how much pride they take in serving our customers well. If they believe that I'm doing a good job capturing that humanity and showcasing their pride in the content that we post on our social channels, that's also a win-win for everybody in the organization because they believe that this, this content represents something about them and the work that they do and thereby the customers who see it or the residents who see it or the followers from around the world who might see our content recognize the value in the service and the people who are doing it, even if it's in a neighborhood that's 500 miles away from Cleveland, there are people doing this work uh, who are, are are valuable and essential to the human lives that we live here uh, in a civilized world. Well, that is such an important point that not only are you you know representing the customers on the outside, but you're representing all the employees that are you know working day in day out, and you know maybe during the night during. Uh, times of crisis but let's talk about timing that was also one of your points that utilities are always on social media is always on and your one to two person team talks about the practicalities of how you deliver great social with such a small team what are your hacks there that's a great question i think i i, I willfully acknowledge that the, this type of an approach wouldn't work for every single utility and i know why there are challenges here uh, we as a sewer utility and a stormwater utility we don't have the same type of service disruptions that a electrical utility might or a water utility a, a water service utility might so the 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 essence of our emergency situations is different and the response time is therefore different um, but what i can say is that you you don't have to have a one-size-fits-all solution. You don't have to be everywhere all at the same time. If you have the support to explore social media and to establish a presence, it's okay to pick one place where you want to dedicate your time and, and build uh, a platform for yourself on one particular channel. You don't have to be everywhere. It helps if you have an ability to connect content across them. But if you can dedicate your time to be responsive in real time in one place, as long as your customers know where to find you there, it's better than not being anywhere, or it's better than, than strapping yourself too thin and not being able to respond in real time across multiple channels. Pick a place, dedicate your time to it, be creative, and, and try to invest in a way that demonstrates that you are valuable in that space. Uh, that certainly makes things easier. Once you do have a good flow or good relationship to share some of the content responsibilities, I'm very fortunate to have a great colleague who now is sharing our Facebook and Instagram responsibilities. They're largely taking that lead. So if you can have more than one person doing it, it benefits the customer because you're able to have more creative content across multiple channels. But if you are literally working with a one or two person team, you can do it. You can do it all. But what you can do is dedicate your resources in a way that shows uh, I can do my best in this space within these confines. Just set your expectations. Set your expectations for your customers or your followers or your leadership to know what it's going to take to be there in that moment. And uh, and the timeliness of things, uh, don't undersell what value responsiveness has. Anybody who has a, has a utility problem, you want to get served in the moment. It can't always happen. But even just simply acknowledging a, a, a post somewhere on social media uh, in the real time opportunities that you have, doing that goes a long way because people recognize, okay, I, I'm, I'm being heard here. I, I'm not just shouting out into the, into the darkness. Uh, someone here is, is trying to help me, even if it's something where they tell me, I'll get back to you tomorrow. At least there's some sense of connection there where they can manage that. And many times if it's a person of uh, a team of one, that's the best place to start to be able to establish that relationship. 
And are, are your colleagues who are working on site actually curating some of that content for you and sending it back? They are as well. So it depends on exactly what uh, on what platform we're working on. But yeah, so we are we review that content collectively. We have a, a means by checking stuff before it gets posted in our various accounts. And again, having that support internally, largely from our leadership, who again is granting us the creative freedom to simply be in the moment and to be responsive as customers expect. And that that creative freedom is something I know not every organization has. And I've spoken to a lot of them who say, I just can't do that. Um, but you can factor some creativity into your planning. You can pre-plan some of your creative content so that when something does hit, you know you've got content that's already been signed off on that can drop in this moment. Um, and the more freedom you have to respond in real time, that's when you can start to really uh, amplify your engagement. But again, you have to recognize what your confines are and try to speak to understanding where your leadership has its its greatest apprehension. The more you understand about where the apprehension lies, the better you can package a response to help them understand how that can be overcome or how it can be managed. Uh, so understanding what, what apprehension your leadership team has uh, can help you simply make some connections and help them realize that you've got a plan for this and how do you actually then carry it out as a matter uh, is, is how you and your team can work through that. Well, listen, I thoroughly enjoyed your presentation. Um, I'm going to share some of my takeaways from it in the blog post associated with this podcast. But if people listening to this want to reach out to you, get in touch and uh, maybe ask you some additional questions, where do you want to send them? Sure. You can reach out to any of our social media accounts. They're all posted on our, our redirect as, as best captured as neorsd.org slash social. That'll take you to a list of all of our social media accounts uh, and opportunities to connect with us. We have a podcast as well. We have uh, events that are coming up. And so that catch all neorsd.org slash social is the best place to see all of our activity and, and connect with us wherever you are most active. Amazing. And I will link that as well. And also you're all LinkedIn as well. So uh, go, go chase down John and, um, Wonderful meeting you, being there in person, and thank you for coming and sharing the story with the broader audience on the Public Sector Marketing Show. Thank you very much. If you're inspired by this episode to level up your digital communications, then why not consider one of our three accredited programs that are now live and on demand on our website, which means that you can take it in your own time on any device. So we have the social media bootcamp, which is seven hours long, that will teach you how to approach social media in a strategic way and better understand how to get meaningful results. And I go through the tactics that are working right now on every social network. The brand new diploma in digital communications for government and public sector introduces a number of new disciplines, one being AI marketing for government and public sector. It has six core modules. And then um, our most popular course is the professional diploma in social media for government and public sector. This will give you an industry recognized qualification. If you're not ready to learn and you don't have the appetite to take a course, you can also get a copy of my book, Public Sector Marketing Pro, filled with 20 years experience. And if, like me, you prefer to listen to books, you can also grab a copy on Audible. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, and I will see you on the next show. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a public sector pro you know. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube. 
For more free resources, details of our upcoming training courses and consulting options, log on to publicsectormarketingpros.com.